and welcome to another episode of Professors at Work from the American University of Beirut. I'm your host, Rami Khouri. Every week, we talk to a professor or a researcher or a scholar about the work they're doing, why they chose that topic, what they're finding, and, and what it means for the rest of us. Uh, this week, I'm very, very happy to have Professor Iman Wahid, who has been uh, recently was dean of the Faculty of Health Sciences and now is a professor in the Environmental Health Department and is just finishing, finishing a semester as a visiting professor at Yale University in the United States. Iman, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So normally I ask professors to go in-depth on one research topic or book or something like that, but what I'd like to get from you, given your uh, vast experience, and, and not just looking at Lebanon, but regionally, um, you're deeply involved in producing one of the first regional um, uh, almost encyclopedic books on public health in the Arab world. And you recently gave a lecture at Yale in which you discussed these issues. So I, I'll start by asking you, from the way you see things, what are the big challenges and or maybe opportunities in the public health arena in the Arab region today? Uh, thank you, Rami, and thank you again for having me. The uh... So the focus of, uh, of my lecture and what I want to talk about uh, before starting the discussing the priorities, what I wanted to share with the audience uh, in my uh, lecture at, at Yale was the need to adopt a different lens uh, to look at public health uh, issues. And uh, this uh, would apply not only to Lebanon and the region, I think it's a lens that we can uh, apply um, globally so um, i i i um, uh, sort of addressed uh, a framework a framework that we uh, is, is very important in public health in epidemiology specifically mm -hmm. um, and that's the uh, person place and time so uh, in epidemiology anytime you're talking about a distribution of a disease or any health problem or uh, an epidemic you talk about who the person who's impact uh, who's impacted their age their sex their uh, socioeconomic status and all of this you also mm -hmm. talk about the distribution by location geographic location and you talk about changes over time i think yeah. anybody who followed up on the pandemic uh, would know that these three uh, sort of uh, components of the framework were always referred to yes. uh, so i took a different approach and i i actually used uh, three three examples to illustrate what I what I mean by a, a, a different approach. So I started I started by uh, defining the place as Minneapolis, mm -hmm. the time as twenty five May twenty twenty, mm -hmm. and the person as George Floyd. So okay. George Floyd is a black American, forty six years old when he suffocated, uh, again, it's police brutality, and I don't want to go into the incident. Right. The message there, that although that it's a unique incident and you can describe it technically, the fact that this uh, incident and this death um, carries a lot of history in it. And, mm -hmm. and so what George Floyd or the death of George Floyd represents, represents a systemic, and 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 structural racism that mm -hmm. is killing that is killing people. 
So wow. I, this was one example of turning around the concept of person, place, and time. And then I moved 10 years back and, and spoke about another place, another time, and another person. This time, it's, uh, the place is Ban Arus in Tunisia, mm-hmm. and the time is 17 December uh, 2010, 2010. And the person in this case is Muhammad uh, Bouazizi. Yeah. Muhammad was 26 years old when he decided to set himself on fire in, in objection to unemployment, injustice, uh, loss of dignity as an individual, exactly what his mother said. Right. And, and that started a, a movement, the Arab yeah. uprising, not in Tunisia and the whole region. The same thing happened with George Floyd. There was a, a, a wide political and social movement protesting uh, such uh, an injustice. So here, the first example was an example of racism that is very historical and structural. Here we're talking about corruption, political uh, authoritarian systems, and lack of opportunities uh, for people. And the third example, going again 10 years back, it was Gaza on the uh, 30 September uh, 2000. And the person in this uh, case was Muhammad Abdullah. Muhammad was 12 years old, and Muhammad was a victim uh, to, he was caught with his dad in a crossfire, and he was killed by Israeli, uh, 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 by an Israeli shoot, uh, uh, soldier. Mm-hmm. And so this is an example, again, uh, of, um, of a victim of a history of colonialism and, and, and occupation. So um, I, I meant, I meant through, through these three examples to say that rather than looking at the concept of time, person, and place from a very technical, uh, 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 apolitical, dissociated uh, way, we can actually uh, dig in and see that there's a lot of history there that we need to understand. And the, the death of, uh, of, uh, of Ad-Durra or Bu'azizi or Floyd were actually an outcome of history of injustice. Mm-hmm. And I used what uh, the last uh, few words that uh, George Floyd uh, expressed or whispered mm-hmm. as he was uh, uh, passing away, where I, I can't breathe. And yes. again, that's, that term itself, I can't breathe, is a roadmap. Yes. I, would, I would suggest this is a roadmap for global public health. I can't breathe under under racism and as public health professionals, we need to be part of the struggle to defend people's identity and self-realization. Mm-hmm. I can't breathe under authoritarian systems and systems of corruption, and we need to be part of the struggle for, for a society, for communities with dignity, where people are held accountable and they can express themselves. Right. And we cannot breathe under occupation and colonialism, and we need to be part of that struggle towards freedom and liberty. So, so that's where I see uh, public health globally uniting to to stand against social in, uh, injustice that has been considered by a landmark report of WHO back in 2008 as the one that is killing people on a grand scale. Wow. That, uh, so that was one concept that I, I engage in. The other one was the whole concept of, of wound. And what, what does it mean? Um, and so we usually focus on the visible wounds. We count yes. 
we count injuries, we count deaths. Uh, uh, we can we 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 usually see people uh, in front of us, but it's way wounds are way beyond that. So uh, mm-hmm. our uh, colleagues like Rita Jakaman from Birzeit uh, University and her colleagues in in Palestine and many others have spoken about the invisible wounds, the fact that what really counts and what we should really be looking at is not just counting injuries and disabilities and that go inside and see what are these atrocities and injustices doing to people within their own bodies. Right. Uh, not only that, I, 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 in addition to the invisible wound, we can talk about the intergenerational wound, the fact that that uh, these wounds and pains are transmitted from one generation to the other. And that could explain why somebody like George Floyd and, and uh, black Americans feel, feel, feel that wound deep inside. That has been inherited over generations. Although they, they have been liberated and they are no more slaves and they have civil rights, yet those wounds have never left them and we need to address that. Wow. And the third thing, the third yeah. thing is what our colleague and friend Ghassan Abu Sitta, Dr. Ghassan Abu Sitta, talks about is the value of wounds. How how wounds at one time, at time A, might be appreciated and, and seen as a great achievement and and sacrifice for the country or the community. And but at other times that same wound will be devalued or less less important. So these are two concepts that I I suggested that we could use as a lens to analyze public health challenges and understand that the current is not uh, separated from history and politics and all of that. Wow, that's uh, pretty amazing and and, uh, encyclopedic, almost cosmic in scope, because you're talking about issues when you look at colonialism, racism, going back uh, centuries in in many cases. but I was struck by the one of the last things you said, which is the intergenerational nature of uh, of the wounds and the pains being passed on. And I've been doing a lot of research looking at poverty and inequality, and uh, leading to citizen alienation and other problems in in the Arab region. And one of the findings that researchers who study multi-dimensional poverty have come up with is that uh, it is also uh, intergenerational, transgenerational, that a family that is poor today, and say 2000 and 2022, if a family that is poor today in the Arab world has almost no chance of not being poor, they're going to be stuck in poverty for 10, 20, 30 years for, for various reasons. Whereas a family that was poor in 1950 had a much better chance of coming out of poverty because governments and other people were uh, we're doing things, but uh, the 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 nature, the ongoing um, nature of poverty from one generation to another being almost guaranteed, and like ninety five percent of the cases, makes it really imperative to do what you're looking asking us to do, which is to look at a broader lens of how these uh, pains happen, what causes them, and and then. The final question, which I'd like to ask you, is say, what do you do then when you do this kind of analysis? What What is your policy prescription or other prescription uh, to society? Yeah, so it's uh, so I've, I've used that lens to understand 
as I mentioned, the current and the example you've uh, you've shared is quite profound and a, an excellent illustration of what this uh, term means. You could also look. I I showed a picture, a photo, but I did not comment on it, and that was the the key, the the key that uh, many uh, Palestinian uh, homes uh, uh, put in their houses. This is the key to their homes and their homeland when they were uprooted. So that key is an uh, indicator of intergenerational wounds, and it became a symbol of return and a symbol of uh, solidarity. What you spoke about too, which tells you that for us in public health to be able to make a change, we need to contextualize health uh, within this wider, uh, wider context, and two, to really broaden broaden the scope of who our partners are in in change. So uh, move away from thinking about public health as a technical field where you're providing only numbers and evidence and figures and data, which is very important. I don't want to undermine this. We need that. This is key. We cannot move without this. But then to be able to uh, to recommend uh, policy change, to be able to uh, to impact the uh, uh, what's happening around us, uh, we need to 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 transform that into a tool, into practically um, a a policy tool, a political tool, and make sure that that uh, the data and the information become an ammunition. For, uh, for social movements and political movements to be able to introduce that change. We cannot do it alone as public health people. And uh, so our role becomes uh, a sort of multifaceted and connected to, uh, to, to all um, other uh, forces uh, around us. Wow. So, uh, so this, is, this is how I see that. So if you look at the uh, Beirut uh, blast of August 4, Right. Of course, you can you can analyze it as an incident. It's an explosion that took place, mm-hmm. killed so many people, injured so many people, destroyed so many houses and so many uh, hospitals, and so on and so forth. But the reality is that what we saw there is the outcome of years and years, decades of uh, mismanagement, uh, uh, corruption, uh, political failure, uh, a sectarian political system. So if we really want to uh, introduce change in health and improve the health of the community and public health uh, uh, deal with public health issues. Uh, we can we can try, but the reality is that if you don't develop and transform the political system that we're living in, uh, it becomes very difficult actually to achieve uh, the uh, the our our goal of uh, of sort of the better health and well-being for all. Um, and and well, of course, what's happening in Lebanon is part of the region, and right. the context of the region cannot be dissociated. I spoke about Sykes-Picot. Mm-hmm. I spoke about the 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 even the discovery of oil in 1938, and I spoke about 1948. I referred to three dates, at least in my opinion, are very critical, uh, at least in the 20th century, mm-hmm. and that's the end of World War One and Sykes-Picot that practically uh, undermined, almost killed the, uh, the, the hope for uh, nationalism or the nationalistic movement and the hope for change and, and unity. Uh, in, in 1938, 
discovery of oil transformed the area into becoming a very sensitive geopolitical uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, region. Um, and so that impacted how things developed. And 1948, that is seen on one hand as, is, as the birth date that is uh, sort of represents the birth of a nation, of a state. Yes. But at the same time, it presents a catastrophe in Nakba for the others. And that, that division, that clash and that conflict has been defining practically the region. So whether it's Sykes-Picot or oil or, or uh, the birth of Israel and the catastrophe, the, the, uh, the, the Nakba, they have been defining to a major extent uh, things that we are living today, even in the 2022. Yeah, so, it's, uh, fasc it's fascinating to hear you say that because um, um, in many of my talks and lectures that I give about these issues, I, I, I'm, I link the uh, Balfour, Sykes-Picot, the mandates back in around 1920 to the uh, 48 catastrophe, which you mentioned, catastrophe for the Palestinians, a great deed for, for, for many Jews. Uh, but for the region, it was a catastrophe because it ushered in a few years later, military rule in Egypt and Syria and Iraq um, as a response to the threat from Israel in a large extent. Um, and, and this has led us today to these military-ruled regimes, autocratic regimes, corruptions, waste. And most of the regimes today, most of the governments, not all of them, but many of the governments in the Arab world are no longer really sovereign. They can't make big decisions without getting the approval of somebody from outside the region. It could, could be the U.S., could be Russia, could be Iran, could be Saudi Arabia, could be Turkey, could, you know, it could be and Israel if you want to buy advanced weapons in Arab countries, the Israelis have to approve it through Washington. So the linkage that you're talking about in terms of public health is unbelievably important, I think, and is uh, it, it's so um, gratifying to hear a, a, a professional like you, who's so widely respected in your field, wander into these other arenas uh, of, of public policy, of political economy, of historical context, uh, and and it's uh, it's good news because if we get more people like you in other departments of political science and sociology and history, putting their uh, minds together, we're likely to get a, a more clear and complete analysis, which then takes us to the final step: is okay. So we understand much better now, thanks to the work you and others are doing. We understand these linkages across time, across sectors, you know, the food, water, governance, etc. Um, um, so how do we bring about the change that is needed? And, and this is the hardest uh, step. Uh, and AUB is very focused on trying to use its knowledge from research to Im Im impact or influence public policy. What's your sense? We only have two, three minutes left um, in, in our closing uh, moments. What would you say must or can be done to actually turn the situation around slowly, obviously. It's not going to happen quickly. No. I, I, I wouldn't claim, actually. I will be very reluctant to come up with a recipe for, for what next. What, uh, what I'm emphasizing that uh, there is a need to, 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 to shift our approach to this. We haven't, we haven't used such a lens or we only in, in certain locations uh, and uh, uh, regions we have started thinking about that. We need to adopt um, this way of thinking to be able to translate it to what you're, uh, uh, what you're expecting now. I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we're there. We, I'm going to go back to the point of 
we need to engage ourselves as public health professionals mm-hmm. with these discussions in uh, with the social movements at the level of the civil society uh, political uh, parties uh, uh, also scholars in from other fields to help us uh, transform this thinking and to also um, uh, engage with them in how can we include health within their own research and within within their own uh, 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 sort of uh, 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 mission or 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 journey i think i think we're we're at the start of where people are asking that questions even in the us now people are saying how come we haven't looked at racism as a public health issue they're they're discovering something that has been defining the us for hundreds of years and they're they're questioning themselves one of the uh, deans of uh, public health here the dean of tulane school of public health has uh, uh, he's black american and he talks about the skin you're in and so practically practically yeah. saying what defines you because our inner body is the same our yeah. physiology anatomy uh, uh, structure from within is the same what differentiates us is that skin we're in and that's more or less what's defining our health and uh, and movement uh, or our opportunities in life and that's wow. exactly where we need to start uh, engaging uh, together and uh, sort of break that shell uh, that that trapped public health for 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 many years of becoming of being that very technical apolitical dissociated thing we look at society as just let's respect people and ask for their opinion i think we need to uh, uh, be a little bit bolder and engage and experiment we're still in the experimental phase here wow that's exciting in our in our last minute as you go back to aub now uh, for the fall semester um what uh, what do you hope or plan to do next in this arena are you looking at uh, kind of formal mechanisms whereby professors in different departments can get together or informal col- collaborations across uh, disciplines because the one of the the great advantages of universities like AUB or Yale or others uh, where you've been engaged uh, is that they do have experts across all these fields and they're sitting there you know next door to you in some cases uh, are you thinking about trying to move one step further to have a multidisciplinary uh, cross-discipline uh, mechanism to analyze these issues deeper, or are you going to just uh, take it slowly and see how other people react? Uh, uh, both. I think we have to take it slowly while, to, while engaging. But the, if there's a place, an academic institution in the region that can do that, I believe it is AUB. Mm-hmm. And uh, what you're suggesting is exciting, and you could think about it at two levels. One is exactly what you mentioned, is start some kind uh, of, uh, now the provost's office has started these ideas of clusters right. and, and, and people thinking together. So that could be if one forum where people are exchanging these ideas and trying to answer the question that you pose of the way forward and how can that collaboration become, become effective. The other thing is actually uh, do this around real research, uh, field research. So we're hoping that we're going to do things with the refugees, agricultural workers, and others. 
and actually try to contextualize that within the broader uh, political context. So we could have both uh, uh, empirical, using a sort of empirical fieldwork mm -hmm. uh, to, to do this and experiment with it while carrying on more of a conceptual uh, discussion at, at a different level. And with the hope that these two things come together and, and, and feed into each other. Wow, how exciting. Well, you can be sure that we at the Global Engagement um, Initiative at the Depp Center, AUB's New York headquarters, where I'm based now, um, our, our work is very much uh, multidisciplinary, bringing AUB together with other institutions. And uh, you can be sure that we will follow this up with you and see how we can get uh, set in motion, you know, um, a global um, global, maybe starting with the Middle East, uh, North America, where we both are, and then moving on to South America, Africa, etc. Because these are universal issues. I agree. I agree. And I think, I think we need to think more about them and try to operationalize them. Wow. Well, uh, Professor Iman Wahid, public health expert, former dean at AUB, now visiting uh, professor for one semester at Yale University. Thank you so much for being with us and sharing these uh, incredible Thank ideas. You. Good luck Thank to you. Thank you, Rami, for having me. Thank you, you bet, and we will meet soon. And that's our, that's our episode for today. I'm Rami Khouri from the American University of Beirut. This is Professors at Work. Thank you for joining us, and please join us again next week. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.